You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoma Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome to you, the audience, and to Jill. Hello. Hello. Yay. Two days, two weeks in a row, we got it right. Yay. (laughs) So um, I just want to make a few comments before we dive into a continuation of last week's uh, episode, which is on happy planets. And we all hope that our chart reflects happy planets. Um, But first of all, I want to acknowledge, you know, that this is that weekend where we celebrate mothers. And in particular, um, some of us really want to celebrate Mother Earth. And to that end, the stars have aligned in a very lovely way. Um, And the two benefics, and this is from a Hellenistic perspective of Jupiter and Venus, the happy planets, Um, are squaring off today at the very end of fixed signs. So do we fight about the chocolate cake? Do we give it to everyone? That's what Jupiter would say. But Venus and Taurus would say, no, no, (laughs) that chocolate cake's all mine. (laughs) What do you think, Jill? Well, and, and Libras would say, oh, Oh, that's not good for you. Let me just, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That is true. (laughs) Anyway, um, kind of a nice signature if you were born either yesterday or today. But of course, by the end of today, Venus will have shifted signs, leaving her home turf of Taurus for Gemini. Um, And so I would expect that the need to commune, communicate, and hang out with people to chat will uh, start to ramp up. People will be definitely looking to do that. Um, The other thing that... uh, Yeah. Approaching Mercury. Yes. Yeah. His own sign. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that mercurial Gemini... Uh, madly off in all directions is kind of how I see Gemini energy. She's passing the baton to Gemini. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so it will get busy out there. And of course, the weather is starting to improve and all that good stuff. But meanwhile, Saturn is going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know. I'm coming to a stop. I'm halting. Everything must stop. Everything must be restricted. Anyway, Ah, such is life. (laughs) And the other piece that we have, of course, is Pluto has now officially stationed. And um, we've got stuff that's trying to emerge that is um, difficult. Pluto, of course, uh, in Capricorn is wanting to, you know, uh, rejig our whole idea of who's in charge and who's in power and... Um, you know, it wants to collapse that system and rebuild it. In How things should be structured. Yeah, yeah. And so we're getting um, reports of, you know, it's like there's sort of two ones I've noted in the news. One of them is how many people, uh, countries are stepping up to go, wait a minute, China, you don't get to have your own personal slave force um, that you can ship around your country to do all the work. 
Um, I name the group of people, except I probably wouldn't say it right. Tigray or something. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not knowing the exact pronunciation of that group of people. Um, and then we've also got uh, sort of a, um, a report on Israel and the the apartheid scenario that has evolved since its inception back at the end of the Second World War. And so, with a Pluto station, you know it. It's trying to force this stuff out into the light of day so that it can be rejigged. And uh, we can only hope that that does happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, on that happy note. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Okay. So, I do have a few notes that uh, I want to pick up with before we head into... Uh, the next set of planets that we're going to look at, and we are going to take our time. Uh, we're going to look at sort of the next set out. We've looked at the inner planets, those that fall within the orbit of uh, or closer to the sun than the Earth is. Um, we did the lights, the sun and the moon, and Mercury and Venus. And in all systems, I'm pretty sure, including in the Vedic, these are all considered personal planets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, but now we're going to go out beyond the realm of the Earth, and so some would call on, this. On that, on that note, mm. if you you know the, the Earth represents us, right? Yeah, that's what the circle is with the cross. That's yeah. the Earth. That's our chart. So the inner planets are within us, right? Right. They're, yeah. As the light that powers us is you know with at the center yes and the moon's going around us it's our most personal planet because it's circling us exactly <laughs> exactly yeah the other two are between us and that light so yes. they are yeah they're essentially they're they're very much personal because they are you know especially when they're close to the sun and they can never heart. be um i they're, watched they're uh not- um or didn't well I watched and listened to a podcast and so 48 degrees is the maximum distance that Venus can get and 30 something 36 degrees or something is as far away as Mercury can get yeah Yeah. from our perspective yeah yeah so they're always very close to the sun but when they get really close it's like you can't and especially in the same sign you don't differentiate they exactly yeah what we think are are saying right yeah Merge yeah. kind of. so yeah. yeah. So in that sense, I think that makes sense to call them the you know the most personal of the personal planets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So some other words that I wanted to just kind of explain from the Hellenistic point of view um, is words like kentron because people will run across that. And that's the angles, and um, the ancients saw that as a stake. You know, like you stake down a tent. And so the angles, um, when, you, when you start looking at are your planets standing in a happy place, um, you're going to notice the ones especially that are on the angles. Okay. And that's true in, in Western as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Hellenistic yeah. is the root for Western. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Work, work has, you know, by people who do, uh, like the Gokulans did yeah. the research statistical studies and it you know bears out in that yes yes it does and i was their energy is highlighted and that's what that's the basis for astrocartography as well yes yeah but on the angles have more 
influence or are felt more acutely. Yes, exactly. Definitely. Um, And on that note with the Gogantlins, uh, there is apparently, and I haven't Googled it yet, but I should, whether Mm -hmm. I do or not, remains to be seen, but um, that there is an evidence-based astrology research group, which I thought was just kind of, well, there's a plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought that was excellent. Okay. So when we say debility, when we say a planet is debilitated, it's general, well, it's not in its own home. Um, its energetic expression is not fit with whatever it's in. And um, it's at odds. It can create a sense of being at odds within society. So, um, and it'll have to look to the ruler and aspects to see if there's some mitigation or what's going to be the best way to bring out the best in that particular character. Yeah. So if it does have dignity, then it has an, it can be itself naturally um, and, and it, it expresses itself correctly. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what else? Uh, okay. So there's the rulership, domicile, adversity, detriment. And so with the rulership or being in its own domicile, if it's opposite that, that's considered aversity and detriment. And it's not as noted in Hellenistic. They didn't really see it as being as big a deal as sometimes uh, later with the William Lilly brand of astrology. Um, they started to see it as being definitely not a good thing. But I think the reason why the ancients probably didn't see it as being all that difficult is it's the opposite side of the same coin right well it is but i think it's more about how how we define the the um the signs themselves and the qualities of them and how yeah. it fits with the energy so yeah from that perspective it kind of makes sense that yeah yeah that, yeah. that it's it's not as it's not as comfortable it's no not no i'm trying to rescue my own chart here i hope you kind yeah, of yeah, realize because yeah. i think but, everybody's yeah. n- nobody's where they want to be nobody yeah, well, <laughs> you, would mother, know, you would know mother, nothing about that except for your moon yeah. <laughs> yeah your moon's very happy anyway well, it's okay. happy but but then it's got aspects that kind of challenge that so yeah you know, yeah yeah oh yeah it's always context right there's yeah there's, yeah yeah, exactly. Good bad and everything, and it's none of it's good or bad. It's just what is. Right? It is exactly. So <laughs> the words you will find in the text when uh, a planet is opposite its exaltation is detriment and adversity. Yeah, detriment specifically for that one, um, and it tends to bring out a more soul a solo style of that planet. Um, yeah, when it's in its uh, fall. Oh, I always get all those words mixed up. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I thought that was interesting that I um, heard in a lecture that, uh, you know, so for instance, if your moon had been in Scorpio, which is the fall from the exalted, yes. then it tends to operate more in a solo function. My right. moon is just opposite its own sign. Hmm, and I did stay single for a god-awful long time, till I was 30. Yeah, hmm. Anyway, an interesting perspective, that. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, none of, no one particular piece carries. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But I think I think one can meditate on each individual piece. Yeah. 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 And we, you know, we always have to start that way when we're first looking because, you know, there's a lot to look at. Yeah. So you have to focus in on different pieces. But it's just always important to realize that it's a it's a it's a holistic kind of thing in a sense. It's a circle and everything is relating. It's all about relationships. <laughs> yes, yes. Whether yeah. that's external or internal. Yeah. Exactly. And the, both are the same, really. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, let me see. I think that's probably as far as I'm going to go into that. So now we are going to switch. So for those who are actually following this either on YouTube or even today, uh, if you go to my website and you pull up the um, uh, episode from last week, I am going to continue on using the graphics that I prepared next week. I didn't port them. Oh, what happened? Oh, there it is. I had a little moment there where my screen went blank. Okay, so we are going to continue on. And so starting, Mars is the next planet out. And um, he begins the operation of, oh, who are you? And you're different. And and I'm separate from you. How did that work? And uh, I think there's sort of a developmental timing with Mars as well. This is at uh, age, uh, Mars, your first Mars return is within your second year, a little late. Yeah. And so this is when that word no happens, I think, yeah. in our development. <laughs> yeah, no. you get the terrible twos, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. And also, I think Mars Mars is still considered one of the personal planets, but it is it is the nearest one yes. to the Earth outside yeah. our orbit. So yeah, exactly. So it makes sense as well. And it's kind of like our first outreach. It's like... yeah. Like it, the twos. We, it's like, oh, I recognize there's stuff that's outside myself here. Yes, and it's uh, mine. <laughs> yes, that too. <laughs> exactly. And there's and also, want, and I want it, and I'll just take it because yeah. that's that's what Mars is about, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. What, I, what I'll go after, and I'm just going to grab it. Right? Yeah, and it's and and it's that act act of action. Right. Yeah. Um, when you have Mars in its happy place, which would be Aries or Scorpio, then doing is paramount. Right. You tell you know uh, a Mars Aries or a Mars Scorpio not to do, and yeah, yeah. it's that's not, not the boss of me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There is a perfect Mars phrase. You're not the boss of me. I'm going to do Mars so, and Scorpio. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, and I put it in Libra, which was just really dumb. But <laughs> okay, so um, it was called the fiery one, Aries. So as I said, it's happy at home in Aries and Scorpio. Um, it's exalted in Capricorn, where it's like in Capricorn, it's harnessed and it becomes incredibly ambitious and accomplished at, you know, going going after its ambition focuses that exactly exactly and its uh, place of joy is the sixth house which um i'm 
I can't say I can really wrap my head around this one as well because the two malefics, okay, so Saturn's um, place of joy is the 12th, whereas Mars's place of joy is the 6th. So I guess if Mars is in the 6th, it would contribute energetically to one's health um, and it would make you a very... Your vitality. Yeah, your your vitality. And would make you a very viable slave because you would be a doer. You would be at the front of the rowboat, you know, doing the rowing on that ship. You've got the energy to to do work, which is the sixth house. Yeah, the sixth house. It's it's the the down and dirty work kind of Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So if your Mars is in the sixth, it's happy. Okay, or at least it helps it to be happy. It can also do well in the water signs of Cancer and Pisces in a night chart. Um, And it does okay in Taurus and Virgo, although Taurus obviously is opposite. So it can help, but only in a night chart. Okay, so during if you were born when the sun was above the horizon, then Mars is your challenged planet. It's the one you're going to have to figure out how to express it in a healthy, you can't rip their face off and spit in the hole, which I struggle <laughs> with on a fairly regular basis because <laughs> I am a day chart and my Mars is in its detriment in Libra. And And anger has been one of my lifelong journeys to find a healthy, uh, respectful, um, productive. (laughs) But you do. That's what you do. You discover, you know, your malefic that is not of the sect in favor is the one that, um, yeah, it gives you character. That's a good way to put it. My Mars in Scorpio, I, as a child... I I was the explosive one in the family. Oh, yeah. I think there was a lot of anger in the environment. Right. And I was and I was like the safety valve. But you <laughs> yeah. know, my my Taurus mother didn't deal with it well. She didn't. Like, <laughs> she didn't like your. Aww. No, she yeah. she'd send me to my room till I could be nice. Oh yes, yes. See, and that's that would be my Mars in Libra, which is going yeah. nice. Excuse me, nice. Really? Yeah, well, Seriously. Go, go to your room till you can come out with your Libra face on yeah. <laughs> and hide that Mars. <laughs> was basically what I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, when it gets Mars, when it gets really focused, though, it's our athleticism, it's our warrior spirit, it's... Um, if you've got a strong, healthy Mars, you're the one that I want showing up as the next car after I've had a car accident because Mars has that kind of do action get in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it can can have a leadership quality. Yes, it can. Yeah. Okay, so it is obviously not as happy in Taurus and Libra. Um, it's also not that happy in Cancer, um, probably because of the sensitivity piece. Um, you know, it's like the button, the emotional buttons, uh, that was an expression that was used a number of years ago in psychology. I don't know if it's even relevant anymore, but you get your buttons pushed. And so obviously when Mars is in cancer, people have too easy an access to pushing those buttons and Mars will probably just go off and 
Also, if you look at it just from an elemental point of view, you've got a fiery, very yes. fiery planet. He's the fiery one. Yeah. In, in Taurus, you're putting it in, you know, you're burying it, basically. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You're putting it in a, the earthiest of the earth signs, which is stuck and saying, and Taurus wants to move and do. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, trying yeah. to slog through, you yeah. know, mud or something. And then in Cancer, you're trying to drown it. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, and, and so here's that, um, and we will, you know, eventually move on to the other planets. But, uh, you know, so yes, Mars apparently has trouble in Cancer, and yet it seems to do fine in Scorpio, which is also a water sign. But that is a water sign that, um, you know, you can have water so cold that it burns. Yeah. And that would be Scorpio. Yeah. 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 Scorpio has very different quality to Cancer. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so some of the main archetypal principles behind Mars are to energize, to activate, and direct. Mars is exceedingly hot and dry, so it is choleric by nature, which qualifies it as the malefic. The heat creates disturbance and anger, and the dryness creates distinction by which ideologies can further animosities and keep opposites apart. Mars is a very masculine planet. Its main purpose is survival instinct. It signifies war, violence, danger, action, and decisions. And the one word that's not in here that should be in here is cutting. It severs. It separates. Yeah, that should be well, part and of that's, this. You know, that's where it doesn't feel comfortable in Libra, because Libra is yeah. all about creating balance and harmony. Yeah, and... Uh, the animosities. I mean, people with a lot of Libra have a really hard time when there's anger in the environment or yes. somebody's yeah. sort of aggressive. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what's interesting with uh, my particular combination, um, especially when I was asked to to do the whole parenting thing, um, I had stepchildren and uh, two boys. And one of my classic things that I would say to either one of them, both of them still to this day is be nice, just be uh -huh. nice. But yeah. it, you know, I would, I would be getting upset and. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think it's, it's very difficult to tolerate the, the uh, hostile energy that Libra doesn't yeah. want to deal with. Yeah, exactly. So Mars was, my Mars is not comfortable where it is, but, you know. Disturbing peace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So moving on to the next guy, which is a little bit further out. Whoops. Yeah, no, that's the right mouse. Why is it not moving? There we go. Okay, so next up, a little bit further out with a 12-year orbit. And... I didn't put that down. I should have. Um, so what's interesting about <clears throat> the 12-year orbit is it really speaks to um, the, um, the actual underlying principles of Jupiter because it is at about 12 when children will realize that they want to be their own boss, that they want to separate from, you know, and create their own sort of social group. Um, there's this... And I, and I distinctly, this is when I first met my stepsons, um, 
Jody, the younger one, he was 11 when I met him, so it was only a year into our relationship, where I saw that day when he looked at me and he realized that adults weren't gods, that they were actually (laughs) stupid sometimes. (laughs) And that disappointment that, oh my God, you're just, you're just, you're, They're grown-up kids. Yeah, you know, and, and that disappointment on his face, I will never forget that, you know, that, oh. <laughs> anyway, so Jupiter, uh, the radiant one, uh, Zeus, and eventually got displaced by Uranus, but anyway, yeah. Okay, so it's happy at home in Sag and Pisces, um, and I see that Sagittarian Jupiter as... Um, you know, the next horizon in terms of human understanding and philosophy and religion and uh, understanding the omens, um, astrology kind of falls into Jupiter's sphere, uh, along with other forms of divination. And then, of course, with Pisces, it's taking it even further to uh, the energetic level. level. Yeah, exactly. It's exalted in Cancer, which was kind of a surprise to me. Um, but it it's honoring our instinctual archetypal roots, I would say. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it loves being in the 11th house because then it gets to confer with the biggest audience. Um yeah, it gets to, you know, be that sort of pseudo king. Yeah, you'd have you'd want lots of friends if you have Jupiter in the 11th. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and be probably join lots of groups just so you have lots of people around. Exactly. Exactly. To associate with. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so. to share ideas with and yeah. discuss philosophy and <laughs> <laughs> And on and on and on, yes. Okay, we'll be uh, the strongest benefic in a day chart. Um, And so if you were born at day, you want your Jupiter to be really well-placed and happy um, because it will confer good luck to you. Um, Okay, so it's not so happy in Gemini. That would be mine. <laughs> and and it's not very happy in Virgo because it's like, oh, that's just way too much detail. And really. well, Jupiter's big picture and Virgo's yeah, detail. Exactly. So, so yeah. And, and Gemini is too, too scattered. It, like, it tends to be on the, the smaller scale and the yeah, minutiae. Yeah. Well, and it's madly off in all directions, yeah. right? So Jupiter wants, I have the way, the truth, and the light. Mm. Well, and it's it's the it's the eagle eye view of seeing the the big yeah. picture, yeah. Horizons, whereas Gemini's immediate, right? Yeah. It's yeah. What's in, what's what do I see around me? Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. Not, not you know news of the world, but news of my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. The neighborhood. Yeah. Perspective and and Virgo, of course, is just details and 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 earthy and yeah. So what's interesting for me in having my Jupiter, which is in Gemini, um, for instance, I used to write a uh, a column for uh, a magazine in the interior of British Columbia. And what I did was the big perspective. And, you know, like I sort of refused to do the sun sign column thing. 
And um, I'm not entirely sure, as never am I sure, as to how well that was ever received, but that's kind of what can happen when you put a planet opposite where it would prefer to be. (laughs) It's going to do something its own way anyway, and hope for the best, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, Jupiter, yes. So it's not happy in Capricorn. Probably because they're, I'm not sure why Capricorn. Well, it's it's the antithesis of Saturn. Well, that's true. You know, I mean, it's the opposite kind of energy. Saturn and and Capricorn. Limiting, limiting and. Building a box. Yes. You know. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And Jupiter wants to ride free. So, yeah. Yeah. Don't think you'd be very happy. Don't fence me in. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) that one makes a lot of sense to me. Now that you put it that way, it does to me too. Okay, so it's Deccans where it will be very helpful. Um, it supports the first 10 degrees of Gemini, the second 10 degrees of Leo, the third 10 degrees of Libra, the first 10 degrees of Capricorn, and boy, if you've got this uh, sec Jupiter in the middle of Pisces, you have one heck of a happy Jupiter. Yeah. Okay. So its main archetypal principles are to expand in growth while collecting or adding. Jupiter is hot and wet, which means that Jupiter has the effect of increasing activity and the wetness creates unity of purpose, causing the collecting effect. This is sanguine, sanguine. Sanguine. sanguine sanguine thank you property is very productive of growth as plants grow very quickly under such conditions in the chart it shows where prosperity is most likely jupiter is a masculine planet okay so i can definitely agree with um my sense of community i was kind of really not all that appreciative of how important it was to me. Um, I spent a good 23 years in the interior of British Columbia and Kamloops, but I did travel extensively because of my astrology. So I had a big Jupiterian type community of clients. Um, I then moved um, blithely to Victoria and discovered, what, there are other astrologers practicing? <laughs> and I had a huge crash and burn because I had no idea how to deal with competition. And that was the way my Jupiter saw it because Jupiter also in its traditional rulership, um, it, it can be seen as, you know, sort of a puffed up king queen kind of position uh you know which does the tumble like um what is that nursery rhyme he was the king of the gods so yeah. yeah yeah and so you know falling from that high place um and then also not having any community but you know fortunately i met people like met jill i did too <laughs> yay <laughs> but anyway so you know it can have this expansive um and it can get too expanded and then of course it's the the reverse that happens is never something it takes well Well, yeah 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 and there's certain you know situations or things that you don't want more of yes exactly exactly 
cancer, you you don't want it to expand and grow. Yes, <laughs> sure. yes. You want to bring in Saturn and shrink it down. Yeah. So, <laughs> there are certain things that, you know, because people always, and, you know, it is benefic. It is, a, you know, greater benefic, you yeah. know, generally speaking. But um, too much of a good thing Things. is Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You know, Jupiter is not always, always good. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, taken in context with everything else. And yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. yeah. So you're going to, you know, if you're a day chart person, you know, um, you're going to see Jupiter and uh, if it makes nice aspects, if it's uh, the um, ruler of, you know, difficult planets, that will help. It will, you know, provide some mitigation there. Um, and yeah, you know, like, for instance, having Jupiter in the second could very likely be a really nice thing. <laughs> or Jupiter in the eighth, you could, you know, be okay with helping people to pass. You know, there's, yeah. Yeah, mine's in the sixth. It's in Aries. And I, you know, I think it does make health you know, sort of adds to the vitality and yeah, and health in in sixth house. Yeah, yeah, and it also has you expanding um, the modalities of understanding health in your particular mm -hmm. case. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. expansive. What's on the next horizon in yeah. terms of yeah the well, offerings that always, you always, always seen astrology as related to health because it the greater understanding of the self yeah. enhances one's ability to be healthy. I mean, that's part of being healthy is having a self understanding and being able to express your energies in a in an effective way. Yeah. Yeah. And then with my Jupiter in Gemini, one of my greatest joys is being a connector. You mm -hmm. know, like um, networking. Yeah, that's, um, I love introducing, especially, and this would be just my Scorpio weird sense of humor, disparate individuals. I love getting people together <laughs> that wouldn't normally talk to each other. Um, right. And then, of course, the other thing that I do that I think is my Jupiter in Gemini in the third is when I meet somebody whose life takes them into an arena that I personally have had no experience with, then I'm always game, if they're game, for the 50 questions. And, you know, so I'll meet somebody, you know, hi, I'm Tom so-and-so, and, you know, a few pleasantries. And then I'll, you know, especially if they're in a, if their life has been led somewhere that I've never been, I will ask, you know, can I ask you the 50 questions? And what's interesting is people, of course, like to talk about themselves, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're always a little bit surprised at, at where I take them in those questions. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've had very interesting conversations, but I see that as my Jupiter and Gemini. Yeah, yeah. you get sort of a wider perspective. Yeah. And 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 the adventure and you know if they've done things you haven't done yeah, exactly. and you get vicarious experience with exactly oh i'm all about the vicarious yeah yeah so, which also could be jupiter in gemini i just that vicarious yes right yeah. so i'm curious about it and i get to learn about it but i don't have to do it exactly to, to exactly have that experience, yeah right? yeah 
Well, and I do have a saying, which is, why would I want to reinvent the wheel? Like, yeah, no, exactly. you, you know it. Tell me. Whereas yeah. my husband, who has a Sag rising, which is Jupiter, <laughs> he wants to learn everything. Yeah. 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 But or, not deeply. Uh, well, okay. So that was true until the second time he had to land the plane that he built right. because it was his fault. Yeah, now, yeah. apparently, um, being cavalier, <laughs> which would be a Jupiter Sag thing, okay, yeah. um, is no longer really on for him. Now, he is approaching 70. He's, he's probably finally coming to that point in his life where mortality is actually a thing. <laughs> right. This is the guy who soloed across the Pacific, hit a reef you know, did the rowboat thing to the single island with a palm tree. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, but, you know, Jupiter is more a youthful planet. Oh, it is. It is. Right? So yeah. That's another aspect of this. Yes. Is Jupiter is, you know, takes us up to a certain age where it's really strong. But Saturn kicks in. You know, yes. you get your Saturn return, and, and particularly after the second Saturn return, you're, you know, you're not in that, Yes. Where yes, yes. You're in the you're in the Senex end of things where you know, you're the the older generation and it's a whole different mindset. Oh it you. is. It is. It's and again kind of, that's another reason why Jupiter's not happy in Capricorn. Capricorn's the old man. That's right. Old man time. Jupiter, Jupiter yeah. don't want to be the old man. Yeah. I, I just asked my dad who was the a Jupiter Sun conjunct in Sagittarius. Right. You know, he was, oh, he was no. Like, he was out on the tennis court proving how young and virile he was, you know, about a, a few weeks before he had his cardiac arrest. Because you know? <laughs> he hated oh. being, he hated being old. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's you know that's another piece of that because he didn't want to go into that Saturnian, yes, end of things. He wanted yeah. to stay forever this Jupiterian. You don't get to do that. No. Not in, Not in bodies, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, speaking of Saturn, I'm just looking at, and the uh, automated system has still not come up. So, it's going to be my time um, that calls it. Yeah. Well, well, such is life. So, last of the planets that uh, the Hellenistic kids used to look at. This is the last visible by, with the naked eye uh, that the ancients could see. And that, of course, was Saturn, uh, the shining one, Kronos. And he is opposite the lights in the sense that in terms of his position around the rulership wheel, um, he represented the dark in opposition to the light. So he ruled um, Aquarius, which was opposite the sun in Leo. And he rules Capricorn, which is opposite the moon in Cancer. Um, but he was exalted. He's very happy in Libra. And he yay. also, <laughs> yay, <laughs> yes, she has an exalted Saturn, yay. And he also <laughs> loves, loves being in the 12th house. Um, which is interesting because um, in this past two years of me studying the Hellenistic, I, of course, have noticed how many of the recent, uh, you know, I don't know all that many presidents of the U.S., but 
quite a few of them actually have had Saturn in the 12th house, which is very interesting. Not necessarily in Libra or in signs that they're particularly happy. Saturn is, you know, but they are in the 12th house. So that tends to limit the self-undoing effect of the 12th house. Yeah, putting Saturn there. Okay, it can do well in Gemini in a day chart. It is helpful when it's in Aries, Leo, or Sag. It will be the strongest malefic in a night chart. So discipline and limiting and uh, taking responsibility. Not my my strong suit. (laughs) Not your strong suit. (laughs) Even if it is exalted and loves the 12th house. Yeah. It's still a night chart. (laughs) Yes, it is still a night chart. Okay, so it has a difficult adjustment to make in Cancer, which again is kind of interesting. The Leo one I totally get, um, because for me the Leo is um, you have to draw a line that separates you from the, uh, you know, the the dad figure, right? Well, also... Also, Leo is the child, right? It's right. And Saturn life. is saying the it's adult. the old man. It's yeah. like, how do I function in this sign where you, what is it, what is childhood? Yeah. It, it, what is that about? You know, yeah. I don't know how to be a child. I'm, I'm Saturn. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> right? Exactly. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Sir, he's like, you know, Saturn is like granite and yeah. Cancer is water. It's like. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the womb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, not not happy elementally speaking. Exactly, exactly. So Saturn can lend its support if it's in the third deacon of Taurus. So the last 10 degrees of Taurus, the first 10 degrees of Leo, the second 10 degree, the middle. So where is your Saturn? Is it in the middle? Yes, it is. <gasps> it's at, it's at nearly 15 degrees, so just about smack dab. In the-, the middle. <laughs> And so you're saying that, yeah, discipline is a concept for you then. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, so, but it's supposed to help. It's supposed to help if it's in that <laughs> decan of Saturn. Hmm. Okay, so third uh, decan of Sag and the first decan of Pi- Pisces. I always see Saturn in Pisces as, to me, that is its most debilitated scenario because setting a boundary in a boundless energy yeah yeah, yeah. i mean they are yeah. they are totally antithetical that's yeah. that's the opposition of the saturn jupiter as ruler of pisces right? yeah yes exactly exactly jupiter yeah. wants the boundlessness of pisces yeah. yeah and saturn says no you can't put that water in a box yes <laughs> well and cancer being a watery sign true yeah it'll leak out of your box (laughs) it will it will totally yeah okay so the main sort of archetypal principles are to contract um jelly or crystallize to form or organize ignorance or agnoia Saturn is exceedingly cold and dry, which qualifies it as a malefic. The dryness makes distinctions which separate, and the cold nullifies or slows activity and togetherness. This can create depression and a lack of understanding of other perspectives, but the coldness allows concentration of molecules, ideas, and the dryness gives it structured form. It signifies responsibility, achievement, and discipline. 
Yeah, yes. and I think in terms of its discomfort in cancer, cancer is, is about nurturing and growth, you know, motherhood kind of thing. So yeah. do you want a mother that's cold and, <laughs> <laughs> and dry and, you know, just like, that's not a great combo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did. How put, do I be nurturing? <laughs> I'm separating things. So, so here is sort of um, an example of Saturn ruling the moon when the moon is in Capricorn. Um, I was known as boot camp mom. Um. So you will jump. And yes, I will tell you how high. <laughs> God. <laughs> my, my two stepsons, especially the younger one, he didn't, you know, he was like, what just happened? I used to have a mothering mom, and now I have you? <laughs> I feel sorry for Jody, But anyway, I've apologized six ways to Sunday for my lack of yeah, mothering yeah, skills. My, my oldest daughter, my Leo daughter, Le, son and Leo, Leo rising, she has um, Saturn in Cancer and, and Moon in Capricorn. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it, she, I don't know if she's a boot camp, but she, you know, doesn't always have that warm... Fuzzy, though. Fuzzy yeah. Kind of yeah. understanding of kids. Yeah. She, she's a kid herself and can play with them and stuff, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she always has the kind of sensitivity to their emotional stuff. Yeah, no, totally. I'm like a brick. But so that's but what I... An observation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm very quick to, you know, w one of the classic things is like I've got uh, my next door neighbor, they they just had a baby this past summer. And, um, you know, when when they brought the baby out, you know, dad especially wanted to, you know, just hand me the baby. And I looked at him and I go, OK, imagine I'm a guy. Yeah, that, that's about how close it comes to me understanding what to do with a baby. <laughs> And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, because his wife is Pisces, right? You know, yeah. and um, yeah, she's just like a wonderful mother. But uh, the baby face, you know, that. Yeah, it, it, it's very short. And it's, you know, it's when they're really little. It's there's something I'm, my moon in Taurus loves the cuddling and the whole. Yes. And the, yeah, yeah. Just having a baby lying on your chest when you're lying there you you just drift off to sleep because it's just yeah warm and cozy and yeah so i enjoyed that phase and yeah yeah but, so yeah. and and for me that whole leo thing of course there's nothing else there but pluto so <laughs> anyway uh, so Saturn, one of the things, of course, that Saturn in its being the boundary to the next phase, which we will get to next week, um, is in creating that boundary, its cycle of approximately 28 years is very influential from an astrological point of view in terms of the cycle that that creates, it sort of creates three main segments in a person's life. And, um, you know, different astrologers will label these differently. But in my particular case, I always see that first 28, 29 years as a person fully coming into who they are. 
Um, and that, you know, you don't really get your walking papers until after your first Saturn return, until Saturn actually makes one lap all the way around the sun. Um, well, and, I remember reading, I can't remember what culture it was, but there was some culture of well, primitive people or whatever who don't see somebody as an adult until they basically hit that. Yeah, yeah. Which was interesting. Yeah. But the other thing about the cycle is that there's the cycle within the cycle, the seven-year cycle. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because I know that, you know, I mean, certainly at the psychology, there's a branch of psychology that, you know, says you don't really, you're not fully formed, you know, independent being till you're seven. Right. You know, you get the concrete thinking at seven. Okay. Okay. Which is very appropriate to yeah. Saturn. Capricorn is concrete yes. <laughs> to me. Yeah. 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 And then at fourteen I noticed that a lot of people at that age have sometimes very traumatic or life changing events that happen. I've known people mm. whose parents yeah. died at that age or like my, my youngest daughter, one of her close friends uh, was hit by a car and died. And right. we actually happened to be driving along the road after, right after it happened. Oh, oh, I oh. mean, it, it was huge. I mean, yeah. so I think those kinds of events. Yeah, when reality smacks. And reality, that's sort of what Saturn is, is it's, you yeah, so, cuts through everything to reality. Yeah. So there is the 28-year cycle, but within yeah. that, there are these eight, like yes. seven, yeah. 14. And um, 20. 21 the 21 is the one I love especially because we used to say that's when you could you know you could drink and do all those other things we yeah lowered the age since they were trying to make grow people up too fast that's true but the what the yeah. part that I like about the 21 is because you can literally see it happening with people and yeah. that's when they realize that they're actually going to have to step out of their little groupy thing, you know, from the 14 to 21. They're in their own little world and adults are like this thing that doesn't really count or matter. And yeah. then and then at 21, it's like, no, you're actually going to have to figure out how to fit in with the rest of the 7 billion jerks on the well, planet. Well, you've graduated and you've, <laughs> yeah. you've got, you know, if you've gone to university, you might be nearing the end of that yep. and looking what profession or career am I going to? Yep. I mean, that's very Saturn Capricorn stuff. Exactly. What am I going to be in this world? Yep. Yeah. And how am I going to define myself, which is create, you know, a, that's a boundary right there, right? Yep. Yeah. That will, because we, we define ourselves by what we do. Well, world, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which that's is that, that whole paradigm may be shifting, which I think it is. Oh, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but yes. Yeah, that's generally the first question people ask. Well, you know, exactly. Yeah. You know, what yeah. do you do? What's your career? <clears throat> yeah. You know, that's like your identity, and yeah. so yeah, I think that does start to happen around twenty-one, where yeah. you're yeah. not not a kid, you're not in high school anymore. You're, yeah. You know, yeah. Some experience of the world, and it's yeah. Yeah. And Hi. and so you know, for those that are at that twenty-one and who don't have that, you know, that wonderful experience of knowing exactly what it is they want to do, um, you know, I see from twenty-one to the Saturn return as you know your opportunity to explore 
what it is you do want to do, you know, so yeah. to have a number of different jobs to me is totally appropriate um, in order to, you know, define Saturn, what it is that is going to work. Yeah, and, and I think it's it, it's unfortunate that often in our society, people push kids to decide or too early. Exactly, exactly. You know, yeah. What career are you going to do? You're out of high yeah. school now, you got to focus on your career. It's like, I'm still a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And, yeah, so. you know, blessed are those that know, you know, and there are a few. Oh, yeah, yeah. But and, and, and often they'll be very Saturnian individuals. Yeah, don't know. Right, that, because yeah. they, they, they've, you know, I often see if Saturn's really strong in the chart or, or you know, Moon in Capricorn or whatever. It's like they're old even when they're young. Ah, uh, I didn't know. have a clue, and I do have Moon in Capricorn in the tenth. I didn't have yeah. a clue, but yeah. then it was opposite Uranus, so there's a reason. <laughs> But, but, you know, often, and I'm not saying always, but often, yeah, no, it's, I know. you weren't a kid when you were a kid. You were no, like no, having, that's true. having to take on the responsibility yeah. because your parents were not yeah. <laughs> acting like grown-ups or whatever. <laughs> and so there's that growing up. Yes. Before, before you're ready. Kind Be- of yes. Thing. Oh, yeah. Now that fits. That piece fits. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, unfortunately, the monitor that tells me when my show is supposed to end is not up darn i'm at 12 12 oh you've got 1252 i have 1255 let me just double check oh i have 1256 on my phone so i'll go by my phone so we still have four minutes yay (laughs) okay so the middle section of the saturn cycle is the one that i typically would call when you're the mover and shaker Um, So, you know, after 2930, that's when you're going to be out in the world. If you're going to change the world, make it a better place. Don't, no, I'm sorry, but do. And you will try. Most people do. (laughs) And Yeah, you're more established. Yeah, yeah. And and Capricorn are all about establishment. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Building blocks and setting it up and laying foundations and all of those things. So, yeah, I think you've... Whatever you're doing at that stage, yeah, you know, that you that's adult role. Yeah, that 28 year cycle in the middle there is when you will move and shake, and then, and then at around 58, there's this this moment that starts to happen where and this is different than the first Saturn return. It it has maybe the same energetic quality, but this is. Did I do what I wanted to do? Did I accomplish what I, you know, like there's this whole accounting thing that happens with well, the, yeah, the second yeah. Saturn return that doesn't happen necessarily with the first. Yeah. Well, I think so. I th- yeah, I think often if you don't learn the lessons, because Saturn's all the lessons. Right? That's true. Yeah. The hard lessons of reality, the real world kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't actually get that, at the first Saturn return, it's kind of like the second one, I think you get to do it, but in a very different way. Yes. But it's almost like the same stuff comes around, same issues in a different, you know, at a different level. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And have to, so I didn't do, I should have done it back then because <laughs> now I got to do it now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got to grow up now. I should have done it at 28. 
And what's interesting, too, with these 28, 29-year things is those are sort of classic demarcations of uh, length of life, right? You know, there's... Um, it seems almost like with the reality tests that there are people that come up to these this cycle and go, no, I'm done. I'm out of here. Well, you know? and it's kind of recognized, you know, there's, there was a book decades ago called Passages, which was yeah. big for a and, and basically, I, you know, looking at that book, I'm going, well, that's the Saturn cycle. Yep. Now you're talking about the cycle. And, you know, it's like. Yeah. The passages right exactly you know? exactly get your Saturn return and then you do get your 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 Uranus opposition which is that whole upsetting the apple cart kind of time yeah yep you know and people call it the midlife crisis and you know that kind of thing so it's it's like yeah it kind of yep. fits with what we're talking about here in terms of cycles exactly Okay, so on that note I'm down to 59 so I'm actually gonna say uh, yeah let's continue this with uh, the transcendent group next week and uh, to the folks that are out there who are listening to the show you have been listening to 90.1 fm cjmp powell rivers community radio station and uh, thank you for listening and we will see you again next week bye Bye, Jill.